Hello and welcome to another episode of You Haven't Seen That, uh, the podcast where we watch films that I, Eric, missed during my childhood and teenage years. I'm joined as always by my co-host Chris. Hello, lovely to be here. And what are we watching this time? Uh, we got a good one this, uh, this week. Uh, we're going to be watching the 1993 film The Sandlot. I want you to make some friends this summer. Meet Scotty Smalls. Now he's in. Yeah! All right! With the coolest guys in the neighborhood. They've got the look. They've got the moves. They've got the rap. Something else has got their ball. That wasn't my ball! Dad's father gave it to him. Babe Ruth signed that ball. Babe Ruth! We gotta get that ball back. 20th Century Fox presents The Sandlot. A little piece of paradise, a half a block wide, and a whole season long. I know nothing about this film, really. Okay. <laughs> like, like, whatsoever. I like... believe it's kids and baseball. Okay. Which makes sense with sand, I guess. I guess, yeah. Well, weirdly, it's um, I've, I've referred to it as the Sandlot, and like in this episode title, called it the Sandlot because that's where it seem what it seems to be called everywhere else in the world. In Australia, we added kids at Did the we? end of it. Yeah, intriguing. So it's the Sandlot kids here in Australia, but Is it? the Sandlot everywhere else. Okay, all right. Because I'm assuming because of baseball, like it being. Yeah, I, like we don't really have that. that term. No, <laughs> yeah. we don't. Not to a not to a big extent at all. So, yeah. um, so we gotta let we gotta let the audience know there's kids in this. <laughs> it's a kids film. Mm. Um, so I'm. Uh, I guess we'll talk about. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that this film is is coming off that uh, that real Mighty Ducksy kind of era of of kids sports films. Yeah, it's, um, it's 1993. Uh, there seemed to be like a real like There's a run, wasn't there? Of a lot of baseball themed movies as yeah, well yeah, yeah. in the early like I, I really think like League of Their Own and Field of Dreams kind of really yep. kicked it off and then you had stuff like Major League Angels and in the Outfield. Rookie of the Year. Yes. Yep. <laughs> like all of these baseball movies at this time. So Man, Major League was great. And what was the one where the kid ended up with a super powered arm? That's Rookie of the League. Oh that's Rookie Yeah. yeah. That was awesome. With uh, with Daniel Stern. <laughs> So that's one I have seen. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, but yes, haven't seen Sandlot, and um, and to be honest, I hadn't. I, it'll be interesting when it when it comes up when we watch it if I actually go. Oh, a lot of this is actually familiar. Maybe. Yeah. Um, or it may not be at all. It might be one of those ones that I might remember seeing bits of as a kid, and because it's quite, yeah, I just obviously never watched the whole thing. Yeah. Or I could have maybe watched the whole thing and not realised. And if you just blanked it out. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. so, um, this is a fairly big one, I think, for people of our yeah. age. Mm. Like, to the extent that when I was doing the research and stuff for, you know, this episode, it's constantly referred to as a big cult film now. Yeah. Like, it has actually reached that status. It's a cult, though. Yes. Because, like, for me, once again, I think of these ones, Mighty Ducks, which I've adore mm. that's not cult no it's not no <laughs> so I adored that a lot yeah. and the second one and I watched the third one once and that was enough but it's ne- <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair call um, but yeah this is it, it's it, those films haven't achieved like that level of being like a cult classic or anything no um, and I guess like maybe that has something to do with they were probably a little bit more successful maybe yes it's different sort um, of thing yeah yeah or they're a little bit more generic I, I don't know I'm trying to be cryptic and not give away yeah, much yeah. about this film but so, if, if you had to guess like what you think it's going to be about a- any ideas whatsoever 
Uh, pro- probably a collection of underdog teams coached by somebody who go from the bottom of the ladder to the top. <laughs> so, so you're essentially <laughs> the Mighty Ducks, like a G, like a G-rated version of the Bad News Bears, or yeah. yeah. So um, no, I'm, I'm just picturing that that real like the one in my mind that real feel good, really enjoyable team. You get to know the band of misfits or whatever, and they've each got their own little like perks maybe there's the gun pitcher or something like that and then there's you know there's the the backup pitcher i'm the, the, the know, smart out the smart aleck yeah the nerd and like all these exactly yeah. so you're, you're almost like your little little kid cliches but they all come together because it's a team who knows? Could be totally different but yeah. I, i'm picturing a very sort of mighty dusk ducks formula all right that just because i feel like i should be able to name one or two other those like sport based ones right now like there's a basketball one but I can't space jam. Yeah, maybe that's all I'm thinking <laughs> of. Um, but anyway, yeah. So that that's sort of what I'm kind of going in expecting. But really, no, I don't know. Maybe there's space aliens for all I know. <laughs> That'd be amazing if that's like. <laughs> Are you gonna get like this is an interesting one? Like, if you had to guess, like any actor that you think might pop up in this. Like, I'm not necessarily saying that, that that's gonna be the case. Yeah, but um, child actors, perhaps. Not that. No, I'm going for like adult actors. Adult yeah. actors. Um, early 90s well if Robin Williams is in it surely I'd know yeah <laughs> that, that's what I mean like yeah. it's obviously no one huge so um, so maybe um, oh um, what's his face from Weird Silence and Breakfast Club and stuff oh Anthony Michael Hall <laughs> I'm just trying to think of like those 80s actors who are just getting a bit too old for kids' films anymore. So yeah. They're still, you know, like Emilio Estevez, for example, and yeah. Ducks again. Right. Like, and that's yeah. like right time paint exactly. as well. Yeah. So if this is trying to be a knockoff. John <laughs> Nelson. Oh, that's a good call. <laughs> All right. So I'm, yeah, I'm just going with John Hughes, Hughes uh, Staples, but yeah. uh, migrating into the, just their adult <laughs> phase of their who's career. Who's aged into a young parent at this yeah, point. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So maybe, maybe, maybe Molly Ringwood or any of those. Yeah. Uh, not bad guesses. Well, I guess should we jump into the film and uh, see out. how we go? Yeah, let's find out what it's all about. That was the Sandlot. That was. Um, I-, I will say right now, <laughs> it was a kid's movie, and as a kid, I think I would have really enjoyed that. Yes. So before we probably get all like critical or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> before we know. start to nitpick, like yeah, exactly. angrily nitpick and tear apart a beloved children's film. Yeah, no, that um, as a as a kid's film, which we will address immediately, I think. Yes. Um, that was um, not exactly the like sporting story perhaps that I was predicting in the um, No in the intro. Yeah, you, you were kind of more predicting a straight, yeah, sports narrative like the team, you know, yes. get it, the underdogs getting to the championship and yep. whatnot. So Um and it wasn't about that at all, really. No. Um, it was about um, baseball's place in American childhood, I guess. Yeah. Um, and even the nostalgic elements and, and hero and, and all that sort of hero worship and all that sort of stuff. And um and the bond developed between kids playing ball outside. Yeah, it essentially is the story of a group of friends. Yeah. And like this new kid making... Friends through playing baseball yeah. outside. Yeah. I want you to get out into the fresh air and make some friends. Run around, scrape your knees, get dirty. Climb trees, hop fences, get into trouble for crying out loud. That's yeah. it. <laughs> That's it. That's it, exactly. Yeah. And um, I... I very much see I had I had not seen this film in probably twenty years. Yeah, I was going to ask. Long time. A long, long time. Like, or maybe I have a feeling like maybe 
like late high school, early uni days. Gave it a rewatch. And- or I'm sure I was, you know, drunk or something, and it, and it popped on. And I was, and like, <laughs> I'm sure I was with some friends. We're like, oh, let's put, like nostalgia. Let's watch this or yeah. something. And um, watch some of it. It has to have been recently because when I was looking on IMDb, I had rated this. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I must. It must, must have, have been. Seen it. Yeah, recently, but um. Yeah, rewatching again now, I can totally see why it has become a cult classic. Yeah. I don't necessarily agree with that. <laughs> but I, I understand for, like, in particular, people our age. Like, yes. that, that film came out in 1993. Like, yeah. we were. That is us. That is us. Yeah. <laughs> like, primed age for that. that. Those kids, basically, in that film were a couple years older than us yeah. at the time. Absolutely perfect. Exactly. And. It is just a film about having a wonderful summer, essentially, it's, it's and hanging ha- out with friends. Yeah, it's a happier summer than Stand By Me. Well, that's the other thing. <laughs> this film, I think, why it has become such a cult classic mm. is because it's essentially proto-Stand By Me. Yeah. For, for people of our generation. like it, It's establishing that whole nostalgia 50s, mm-hmm. 60s style you have a narrator that sounds ridiculously like Richard Dreyfuss. (laughs) (laughs) And you're essentially, like, telling the story. Like, it is... It's light-hearted, kid-friendly stand by me, and that kind of primes us for the formula that is laid in. You're like, oh, wait, yeah, this is that done well. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Like, no offense to this film, but... No, no, exactly. And But um, this makes it a bit more kid-friendly. Um... But, yeah, as a kid's film, like, it, it just kind of has a bit of everything. Yeah. And, um, yeah, as a, as a kid, I would have really enjoyed it, I think. Like, watching as an adult, you know, you can sit there and... Generally, I enjoyed it and had a good laugh. Yeah. But, you know, it's not aimed at me. No. And it's 20-something years too late. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, well, that, like, that begs the question, like... Honestly, I think, like, when we came up with the idea for this podcast, it mm. was... We were watching The Mighty Ducks. We were, yeah. And having a wonderful time watching it. Such a good time. Um, (laughs) Do you think that existed because you had grown up on The Mighty Ducks and had seen it before and you were able to kind of have it post on that? Like I had um, a lot of like, yeah, I'd I'd seen it before as a kid and uh, several times as a kid, of course. And um, I think Mighty Ducks kept like the, it's more of a comedy. Yeah. Way more of a comedy um, than this. Um, and, you know, that the characters in Mighty Ducks, the individual characters, the kids, have much more distinct personalities, I think, than some of these kids. Some of these ones definitely do, but then others just make up the numbers a little bit. Oh, very much so. <laughs> like, the, the two twins that all they do is repeat each other. We don't. We don't. It's history. It's history. Kiss it goodbye. Kiss it. Shut up, Tommy. That's it, isn't it? And, like... That's it. That's literally all they're there for. There's there's nothing much else happening with them. Like, even in um, in Mighty Ducks, you've got... You know, you've got... um, Averman is like the nerdy dude who's not actually any good at hockey, but he's the end sort of the comedic value. You've got yeah. Goldberg in goals who actually becomes half decent. Yeah. And um, you've, you've kind of got those archetypes here as well yeah. with uh, Ham being that kind of Goldberg type character. I and know. instead of being goalie, he's catcher. Yeah, like. I know. I was just thinking that. I'm like, well, the, the larger boy in, yeah. in the stationary position. And, and then you've got. <laughs> <laughs> that was very well said. <laughs> And then you've got, like, you know, the other kid that's not the superstar, but is the really other really competent player. Yeah. Is the exact same kid from Mighty Ducks, who is, like, the 
Oh, that competent player. Yes. It's so, uh, Jesse from uh, Mighty Ducks. Yeah, like, he was like the really fast one or something like that. Yeah, and yeah. he's the one who's like, yeah, the grandfather comes in and he's like, I didn't bring my kids here to play, you know, see them on the bench or whatever. That's right, when they, yeah. yeah. Mm. That's right. He was the, st- the star in the team before Banks came along. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Banks. Anyway, different story. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I was so hoping that it was the same kid that played Banks that, oh, that was like the kid that rocked up while like with the Drifters with Green oh. Onions playing like the big tough kids. <laughs> oh, how good would that have been? Mm. But um, yeah. So I guess um, I, let's go through the movie. So yeah, it starts <laughs> off, you know, with the. He, the narrator present day. Yeah. Going to, I guess, commentate a baseball game. But really, we were talking about later. He's just probably in a janitor's closet with all his childhood pictures up it's there. It's so weird. It's yeah. strange. His it's... commentary booth is not very professional. No. And he... It, you get the sense that he's there because of nepotism. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's... Yeah, it's just... Who else in the... Like, I understand some people, are, like, if they have their own pro- proper private office, they like... Yeah. But... Yeah. Yeah. I d- yeah. That's anyway, weird. so that's how it starts, and then he begins his flashback to the summer that changed his life, kind of thing. The weirdest part about all of this, though, is the the older version of Smalls, who is essentially our, like the protagonist and the yep. narrator. It's played by Alice Howard, who mm. um, uh, people would know from Full Metal Jacket, uh, Jurassic Park: The Lost World. Um, he's a good actor, but. He's uncredited in this role. Yeah. Which is interesting. Did they add him later? I don't know, because then also, it's not his voice. Isn't it? No. For any of it? No. Not even those final scenes where he's jumping around like a crazy person? No. What? Do you want to know who dubbed him over? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, A man by the name of David Mikey Evans. Do I know David Mikey Evans? Maybe. He wrote and directed The Sandlot. Why did he put himself in it and over it? As the narrator. He's like, I'm going to tell my story. (laughs) I guess he wasn't happy with the final vocals. Oh, no. Apparently, Alice Howard never was asked to. What? Yeah. But there's actually footage of him, like, talking into a microphone. I know. Okay. It's just, that's that's kind of, I want to get that over (laughs) at the top so people understand, like... This film's weird. Yeah, it is a bit odd. Okay, that's... <laughs> In terms of, like, style and structure, it's... it's That's kind of laying the groundwork for what okay. we're starting with. So that explains why his vocal delivery style as a narrator was middling to poor. <laughs> yes. Like that, and that's why I was like, I get the stand-by-me sense that... He, and he's trying to ape that style. Yeah. But... Lacks the flair of a Stephen King, William Goldman, like, yeah. story and script, and also... He's not a voice actor. And, you know, Richard Dreyfuss is an Academy Award winner. Yeah, and <laughs> you've written an okay thing here, but, um, hmm. yeah, anyway. His delivery, like, we're just joking about how suddenly his inflection just suddenly just changes and things like that. Yeah. And he really loves the word pickle. It was in the greatest summer of my life when he taught me how to play baseball, and he became my best friend. And he got me out of the biggest pickle I'd ever be in. Yeah, he, that's, uh, I counted how many times he refers to this. Essentially, like, the crux of the story is, and I'm sure if you asked any person that grew up on this film, like, what, what is the plot of The Sandlot? They would say it's the film where the kid, the new kid in town loses his step, like, his dad or stepdad's uh, Babe Ruth signed baseball over the fence and the dog's there. And there's a... 
a beast yeah. in that yard and, and they have to try and get it back. And the narrator refers to it four times. Four times. As the biggest pickle. <laughs> when I'd get us all into the biggest pickle any of us had ever seen. Biggest pickle was the day I got us into the biggest pickle of all time. He, it, it's referred to as a pickle constantly, like setting up this big scenario. And as I said, like that's what everyone remembers this film being about. It kicks in at the 54 minute mark. Yeah, like there's a lot of stuff before the pickle. There's essentially a movie. Like yeah. th- this pretty essentially comes in as the like the downfall in the second act and you're like yeah. but this is like the narrative structure of a kit like this is yeah the it was part of the film i didn't mind it but i was sitting there for quite a long time thinking i can't wait for this pickle <laughs> yes <laughs> and because it, it teases it at the very beginning yeah the very very start and he and he introduces benny the future baseball star as like the kid who um you know who who saved him from the biggest pickle of his life. Yeah. Or, or a big pickle. <laughs> and, just, and then, do you, did you, okay, were you watching it? Were you getting the sense of, like, was the pickle that he was the new kid in town? Well, I was wondering that, but then that, that transitioned very quickly, so I assumed, yeah. no, I assumed that there would, there would be more of an incident. Um, I, I didn't actually, despite the fact that there was a dog there, I never really actually put two and two together early like you can with some of these films that it would be the Babe Ruth ball that goes over the fence yeah um so credit to the filmmaker for not like just making it super obvious not like like actually telegraphing it yeah that that being said though when he did say hey I've got a ball as soon as he said I've got a ball I'm like well I know where that ball's going yeah you know where (laughs) okay now I know yeah Yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of Crocodile Dundee in the sense of like you're sitting there for a long time in the movie going like where are we going with this but I will say this is probably more enjoyable than Crocodile Dundee in the sense of you're yeah. actually getting interesting rounded characters and there's growth yeah. and growth in the sense that with you know through Smalls we're seeing him actually be accepted and like have friends. And, and I think that's exactly right. Like what this what the film does really well. And I'm not American. I don't follow baseball at all. Um, but you know I, I was a young boy once and had summers. <laughs> Get out of here, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I didn't play baseball. I played um, Australian football and cricket and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or rode my bike around and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. you have the summer where these kids just every day go to the sand lot, which is this is dirty, sandy, vacant lot, mm. and they hit a baseball around. But they never kept score. They never chose sides. They never even really stopped playing the game. It just went on forever. Every day they picked up right where they left off the day before. It was like an endless dream game and they bond over that but then in between all of that they've got their fantastic um urban legend of the beast this huge beast that's Ooh. like genetically bred and that that black and white scene was really cool and then there's like the nostalgia of just playing outdoors going to the carnival and doing, eating chewy tobacco yeah um and um and that the, the going to the swimming pool and like for lack of a better term, lusting after the lifeguard. Oh, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll talk about that one. But um, can we talk about the 50s scene for a second? Like, you just brought that up. The... The flashback uh, with uh, Squints telling the story of... The origin story of the Beast. Yes. That's super fun. That was a really cool scene. It, it goes back into black and white and, you know, the sketchy grainy. It is essentially being a schlocky 50s B-movie. Yeah, and it's told... Quite well as a yeah. great, like, kid, uh, childish urban legend, urban myth kind of thing. It all started about 20 years ago 
when thieves kept stealing junk from Myrtle's Acres junkyard. Ooh, loan out of proportion, obviously. So you want to find out what the true proportion of it is. Yeah, it's that's a shining moment in this film because mm. it goes for something different and yeah. it's kind of bizarre. And it's this weird little set piece, and you kind of almost want a few more of those in the film. Yeah, the closest you've probably got is Babe Ruth. Yeah, the Babe Ruth dream, dream sequence. Yeah. yeah, but like other than that, it's a pretty generic kids film like there's nothing even with the exception of maybe the odd evil dead racket like zoom in (laughs) yep and um and i guess like that the weird cutting during the um the final chase scene that cuts to the werewolf movie which almost worked but end up just being a bit awkward and then it doesn't pay off you're expecting the beast to jump through at a scene where it's like lon cheney space or something but it's not missed missed opportunity there yeah Um, (laughs) yeah but um yeah, that's exactly right. There are a couple of really good directorial moments. Mm. But otherwise, yeah, it, it is a kid's film. And yeah. um, particularly when they go into rescue the ball mode. Yes. Which is, that is just classic kid's film. Which is why I think if you ask people what they remember from this film, yeah. it's that and like maybe the pool scene. But yeah. you, you expect that plot. I was expecting the whole like losing the ball scene to happen at like the 20 minute mark <laughs> yes. or something. Which is why I was just sitting there like, what? Like I had to check when it happened. Because, yeah. Like check the time code because it takes a long it time. It does. And... And he gets ingrained into the friendship group fairly quickly. He gets accepted. Yeah. But I guess it's not until the pool scene where Squints is quote-unquote dying mm. um, and they're all concerned that he's one of the group that is concerned. He's yeah. not this out, outlier anymore. He's yeah. part of the group who's concerned for their um, pervert friend's life. Yes. <laughs> Come on, Squints, you can do it. Pull through, bud. He's an 11-year-old boy. Should, should we talk about this? <laughs> Might as well, let's get out of the way. Yeah. Um, no, no, it's just, just one of those silly things where you've, you've already been introduced to the, um, I guess, the the, the hot girl in town. Yeah, uh, Pfefferkorn. Pfefferkorn. <laughs> Which is nice, because that's, uh, Pfeffer is German for pepper. So, yep. yeah. Good old Pfefferkorn. Um, and, um, yeah, so you've already, like, sort of seen her squints, um, because he wears glasses, um, has um, seen her on the street and... Is enamoured with her. Yeah. Very much enamoured. And then at the pool, they're in the pool, and she's the lifeguard, and she's one of the best reasons to beat the pool, apart from the fact that it, the weather's too hot, which is the, what takes them there. Yeah. And then you got you got Squints like, I've been putting up with this for three years. And the creepiest weird little scene oh, of it. I know. Like, he starts, like, getting it. He, he sinks into a loop. Every summer, there she is. Oh, Oily. Oily. And one day... It became too much. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really kind of unsettling to watch. His facial expressions. Yeah. So it's, awkward. <laughs> it's very aggressive and strange. It is. And then and then he does just like the, the classic like um, teen movie, kind, uh, kids movie kind of thing. He goes and jumps into the dive, the deep end and the kid's like, he can't swim. What's he doing? Yeah. And, um, and then, of course... She rescues him, starts giving mouth to mouth, and then he starts smiling halfway through, you know. Yeah, and they're like, wait, you know what's, yeah. where it's going. And yeah, yeah it, it's it's a fun, playful sequence that is kind of... It's weird in the sense yeah. that... <laughs> I mean, once again, you just got to go... Oh, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. But it is a weird sequence in general. No, like, uh, I mean, obviously the, the assaulty context of it is not great. <laughs> At all, no. and then you know the the musical choice of like in while he's doing it having magic moment. Oh, no. <laughs> it's it's an odd choice, but 
like the what really makes it weird to me is the the narration afterwards that punctuates the scene. Yes, it it, it starts by admonishing him for like what he did was like low down, dirty. Yeah, what he'd done was sneaky, rotten, and low, and cool. That's which one would you rather? Hang on. Yeah, someone's sitting on the fence a bit here. And then, like having her be like looking through the fence, being like, "Oh, you little devil, you got me." Yeah, like you don't. <laughs> you almost need him to be admonished and not like have that extra moment because then you get the resonated. It adds to the resonance at the end when you find out. Oh, they ended up getting married. Yes, like that's, that's true. You could just go on to that. Just go on to that. Like leave it as like the button on the scene is them getting kicked out of the pool. Yep, and that's fine. But then, like, yeah, yeah just a little bit. It's just, just sat it's, in the fence a bit too much. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just that little bit of. So it just makes lingers. it more awkward. But yeah, the, the probably the bit that makes it the most awkward is is just how creepily worked up he gets before. Yeah, yep, yep. So um, yeah, that was um, interesting. But it, those scenes, I didn't like. Even though it took a long time to get to the final actual event, the, the event pickle. itself, <laughs> the big pickle, is actually so simple. You need something more than that. Yeah, and um, so I did quite like like there was the, you felt. You got the feeling that a lot of time was passing. There were a lot of different days out in the baseball pitch, and hmm. there was only one baseball match for the whole game. Yeah, the, yeah. But they kind of established that early that they don't actually ever keep score. They're just there well, hanging out, essentially. And, yeah, and that was it. And so, watch going into the film, knowing nothing about it, I was like, oh, I wonder if they'll end up ending. You know, like I said at the start, I wonder if this will just be another one of those those sports movies. Um, so will they just end up getting drafted into a league or something? Yeah. Um, but no, the rich kids or the kids with the uniform and snobby kids come and challenge them to the game and like Rodriguez is the only one worth playing against. They like, just go and destroy them. Yeah, which is it's like it adds that great underdog feeling. I because I didn't see that coming. I thought, yeah. nah, they'll get there and because um, you never see the kids being that amazing. They're all pretty pretty right. Yeah. But Rodriguez is clearly the, the really man. good one. Yeah. Um, but they get there and um, every single one of them's hitting a home run and um, what's his face? Ham. Yeah. He's putting off every batter. Yeah, he's a great catcher, it turns yeah. out. But I love the way in which that escalates, that scene that ends with being the baseball challenge. Yes. The kid who is playing like the rich, tough kid yeah. is so sincere. Yeah, he's he's all over it as that ringleader of the rich kids. Oh my God, he is playing it like a 1970s villain. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. He's like, I've got one scene. And I am going to chew that scenery. <laughs> and I have to take on take on Ham in a verbal stoush. Who is a like very large personality in this film, yes, like he because is. he is so bombastic as a character. So this kid is, you know, stepping up to the plate for lack of a better term yeah, to like really go after him and it's great. The yeah, little and back it, and forth. Exactly, and it works well because you don't have that typical trope of the rich kids like ha 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 and we've got the better equipment and, blow it. It actually, and no matter what the poor kids say they walk off haughty anyway yeah until they get beaten they walk off quite neutral because they held each held each other's own in the um, verbal verbal kind of thing You're like all right we'll, we'll play for it tomorrow and it doesn't come down to the rich kids have better equipment right it just comes down to actual baseball skill and yeah. baseball and they seem like oh yeah these kids are actually yep. good and well we probably shouldn't have <laughs> ran and, our mouths and that's it and maybe that that's what it's trying to say about baseball in particular it's such an everyman sport yeah you just need a bat it's the great equaliser <laughs> yeah it's like like what they say about you know soccer is the world game you need a single ball if you don't have that you just wrap up a bunch of things into a ball shape and you're good to go and you're ready to go yeah um, so it's, yeah, it's one of those real yeah everyman sports you can just pick up and sure better equipment probably helps but um but like you don't like 
yes. we see in the film, you don't need it. Whereas, like, if you really want to be good at polo, you probably need a horse. <laughs> at least a single horse. <laughs> <laughs> a little out of team's worth. Yeah. Uh, so, the rich definitely have a, a little bit of an advantage over some there. <laughs> yeah. Um, at the beginning of the episode, I, I asked you if you thought who you were expecting an adult cast wise. Yeah, got that all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still appreciate you. Get, I thought they were good guesses, but yeah. like, it's hard to pick a Karen Allen and a Dennis Leary. No, yeah. <laughs> Karen, I, mean, I don't think I've seen Karen Allen and anything else except for Indy. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, because you haven't seen Animal House yet. No, so that's exactly. yeah. so I really haven't seen her in a great deal. Mm. Um, no, so never, never would have guessed that. James Earl Jones would have been my last guess. Yeah, you, you were waiting for the and credit, and yep. then that came up, and you're like, oh, oh okay. Yep. <laughs> sure. Yeah, but um, yes. I, I, they're quite interesting. I think they they have a lot to work with, actually, in, the, in this. Mm. Like, they're not in it much, but their scenes are fairly important, actually. Yes. Like, Karen Allen has, like, that one major scene early on yep. where she, in like, it essentially inspires him to actually go out and try again to make the friends. Yep. And it's actually a really nice scene. It is. And, and it, it also gives him, the character, like, full freedom to do whatever he wants. Mm. So the rest of the film, you're not asking questions, like... What's mum think of all this? Yeah, and where is she for she, all of this? Yeah, where is she? There's none of that. She's like, this summer, just go out and make friends. Get dirty. Like, take on the beast. He's, he's obviously had a tough time. You know, he mm. it starts with his father had passed away. He's recently got a new stepdad. Yeah. Who he has a crazy awkward relationship with. Dad? I, I mean, Bill. Yeah, awkward stepdad. Like, he's not the evil stepdad or anything. He's just no. Not, he's a rather cold individual. Yeah. Well, just, oh, anyway. They well, up, I, I think it's like awkward situation for them both. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, they end up friends because he gets him a really valuable baseball. Yeah. I, I was. I have <laughs> always had in my memory that um, for some reason the scene where they actually go into James Earl Jones' house and get that mm. you know the the ball signed by the entire 1927 team. Yeah. I for some reason had in my memory that Dennis Leary was there with them. Oh. Yeah, like I, I must. It's just one of those misrememberings. Like I feel yeah. that he'd already like explained, like, "Hey, sorry, we lost your ball," yeah. but or like, what, is. "This is what happened to it." And yeah, and he like becomes friends with James. Andrew? I don't know. Just misremembering the film. Well, unless, unless the Sandlot Kids, the Australian version, is a slightly different edit. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I highly doubt it. Um, I something I did think was pretty good with the movie and we'll talk about during was the the use of music yeah so they had obviously those really great like 60s tunes so this Um, was set in 62 apparently um so it had really good use of that sort of era music yeah Um, not rock and roll like but sort of era age appropriate music as well and you pointed out it's they very cleverly didn't with the exception of maybe you know this magic moment and things there were very few songs that actually had lyrics yeah um, um, so you had uh, green onion, green onions. You had yeah. tequila, uh, wipeout. Wipe <laughs> <Yep. laughs> so some really fun ones with the right kind. Of, yeah, like the right kind of energy for those scenes. Like oh, yeah. um, uh, tequila was when they're in the the carnival, wasn't it? Which was yes, perfect. Like it matched the, the carnival theme, and it just kind of led through the the gradually transitioning shots of them just getting progressively sicker on the ride with their chewing tobacco. <laughs> oh, the worst decision ever. <laughs> I learned from that one, apparently. The, yeah, the chewing tobacco was actually made from beef jerky and licorice. Oh, so choice, I'm, yeah. 
Oh, that would have been all would have been hard work. Yeah. <laughs> kids. And the vomit was um, split pea soup, baked beans, and oatmeal. Oh. Which is like that kind of chunky. Yeah. And uh, they, because um, you were laughing that it just seems like someone had like a slot bucket <laughs> that they just threw. Apparently it was paint guns. <laughs> really? Yeah. It was a big splatter at one stage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a big paint gun. But again, like I, I think the, fil- the film does well to not overplay that. Like that could have essentially no. been... Again, stand by me moment. Yes, <laughs> like, yes. Yeah, vom- like the horrendous projectile vomit scene, but they actually yeah. play it fairly subtly, which is nice. Yeah, there was just a single vomit scene. Yeah, it was all the actual vomit was brief. Yeah, you know, you, you pretty much need a vomit scene in a kids' film. Almost, Almost. like it's, it's either vomit or a farting scene. Yeah, it's got to be one of those sorts of scenes. Like, for some reason, it just has to be in there pretty much, and it was just enough of one to have that moment. Yeah, and it's and it was very much like a kids like. And they, you know, they weren't drinking or anything like that, but chewing tobacco, perfect. Matches the baseball theme. Exactly. Yep. And they learned that it's probably not for them just at that stage in their lives. A couple days after we all got over acting like big shots, we swore off the hard stuff forever and just stuck to bazooka. Yeah, and it, it kind of hits all of those wonderful tropes of nostalgic kid films, like, you know, obviously the summer and the sporting yeah. aspect, but then, you know, the treehouse. Great. It's the treehouse and the sleepover in the treehouse, which took me a little while to figure out. What's the geography of it all. It's like, sleepover. I'm like, what? Yeah, that's that's the problem with the film is there's a lot of awkward transition yeah, scenes. all of a sudden they're just somewhere and you're not quite sure where they are. And it's it's no fault to the kids because I think they do a great job. Mm. Like, you know, they're little kids and with a lot of dialogue to deal with. Yeah. But there's a lot of transitions where it's, let's get eight kids all screaming the same line as yes. a transition. There's group lines a lot. And you're like, what did you all... I don't know what you said. <laughs> no, and that's that's very true. And once again, the music was used fairly well in editing for a couple of those scenes, like that scene where after the ball had been hit over his ball, the Babe Ruth ball had been hit over the fence. And he's like, oh, I can't breathe. And the kids are like, give him air. And they all run in to wave their hats on him, which was kind of awkward because, you know, they all run in at the same time and stuff. But they just played a bit of music over the top of that yeah, to distract from the fact that if that stayed silent, they would have felt really stilted. Because yeah. once again, it was all the kids just acting as one rather than just like two of them going into... Yeah, rather than everyone actually saying, like having some dialogue while this activity... Mm. Yeah, it is... Music's used really nice to kind of punctuate in these little moments like that. Yeah. And, you know, keep everything kind of moving and yep. not stale, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Um, some, some of the transitions were great. Like, <laughs> let's talk about the dog chase. Yeah. Yeah, I think we have to. Yeah. So, ultimately, <laughs> Benny gets visited in his dream by Babe Ruth. Yep. Who tells him that everyone gets a moment to be a hero. Yes. And some of them don't realise it. And so he... <laughs> He, the next day, he has to. Yes. He has to go and get the ball himself. You don't have to do this. Yeah, come on, Benny, man. You don't have to do it. Forget about it. It's like committing suicide, Benny. Don't do it. Yeah, don't do it, Benny. Yeah, don't do it. It's suicide. Yeah, I do, Smalls. I have to do this. Yeah. Because. Yeah, because... <laughs> Because it doesn't actually, like... If a dead, overweight baseball player visits you in a dream, you do what it says. You do what it says. Exactly right. Um, so he, he read that dream perfectly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a funny one, because, like, it wasn't as though the whole summer was spent them building up the point of the, you know, 
that's the kid we worship or something like that. It wasn't yeah. as though there was another kid to hear a worship. Mm. Or they wanted to hear a worship any of them. Or that it was like... That was the po- that was never at a point. <laughs> no, and it was also like the... The ball being lost, it was like a day as well. Like, yeah. that's the thing. Like, it hadn't been built up to this massive thing of, like, this is the final... No. Like, this is... He has to do this to get it back. Like, the biggest thing was they tried progressively complicated ways of retrieving the ball. They brought science into yeah, it. Yeah, they got science-y on that. They, they, had, um, <laughs> they had a broomstick. They had um, a broomstick with a bucket, basically. Yeah. They had... Um, they rigged up a, um, a, a three vacuum cleaners that blew up the treehouse. Yeah. And then finally they had a catapult. Oh, you're forgetting as well the kid being lowered over by oh, the yep. road, which then is nicely played off at the end that he created bungee jumping. After going to Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll get into the postscript yeah. of where they all ended up yeah, later. Yeah, we, we know where they all... Well, we know where all of them except one ended up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it just... It seems... Like, the film... I guess it's... At the end of the day, the film is about childhood friendship and nostalgia yeah, and for it, that. And it really nails that. Yeah. Like, it nails it that, like... But it just seemed like he got to the end of his second act and was like, oh, I forgot to make this film be about... Anything. Like, any, well, like oh. have a driving narrative, I guess. Yeah, I think he, he had, okay, we're going to have this kid, we're going to have the Babe Ruth baseball, we're going to make it around Babe Ruth and baseball. Yeah. Um, okay, he could lose the ball. He has to go get it back. We've got all that. Yeah. What do we put in between? Let's stand by me it because I, I kind of really want to try and do that kind of thing. Mm. Oh no! Let's, when use, do I get, yeah. let's use some glue. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it's essentially like he. It has to end up being like it. It feels very rushed. The whole lost the baseball thing and kind of different tonally to the it rest does, of the yeah. film because it almost seems like he got to that point and was like, "Oh no, I've already had the rich kids challenge them and." We did that in a montage for some reason, as opposed to like... Yeah, I kind of liked it. That could have been my third act. Yeah, it could have been, but I liked it getting rid of it quickly. Yes. Because it made the purpose, it wasn't an underdog thing at it, all. Yes, it's exactly. Like, now they're just better at baseball, and they're going to go back to playing in the park again. Yeah. Um, um, so I, I did actually like that, because I was expecting the old trope of... Yeah, it let's have made a it. real game against the rich kids, and it's kind of come down to the ninth innings, and then Rodriguez will hit, a low, hit the home run. What, what and they'll have the respect of the rich here. Um, yeah, and then even bother with that. What, and what I did like about that was also we, we commented on during um, Small's our narrator during that scene plays within his limits of not being very good at baseball, which is great. Which is actually really consistent with his character. Every other kid's hitting a home run, basically. He mm. just bunts it and runs to first. Yeah, which is yeah, like this nice like yeah, because you were yeah. commenting like wait, they're all they're all just hitting home runs on yeah. the side, and, and like, then oh. and then and then he steps up and. He just very professionally just bunts it and runs. I'm like, oh, okay, good. He didn't yeah. just suddenly come out of nowhere and hit a home run. <laughs> good attention, little attention to detail matches the character. Because mm. um, the other ones he does talk up as all being amazing at baseball, and I guess it, they were. I guess, and again, we're, we're, it's through rose-colored glasses. Yes. Like, you know, it's his nostalgia looking back and yeah. having never, you know, where he starts off at his abilities. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They, they are amazing comparatively. So. He just transforms in the space of seconds from barely being able to walk to mm. being able to catch and throw. Yeah. <laughs> really well. He just gets that little bit of coaching advice from Benny. Just and the right kind of coaching advice. A bit of confidence. You know Benny's going to end up being like a coach after he finishes the oh, sure. Yeah, Yeah, he'll be a... He's got... Like, we've seen him in... And he'll be a mentor to trouble youths as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but getting back to the, the kind of third act finale... Yeah. It... It does, it works for the film because it keeps it about, 
you know, the, this is the playful nature of having so, uh, some yes. old friends. Yeah. But at the same time, it does just feel a little rushed. Like the idea of like the scenes where they're trying to get the ball back, mm. you're presented like two or three in a row that are pretty much the exact same it's just shot. Something else on a stick, and they just use a slightly different camera yeah. angle. They had two cameras for the last shot. It's it's pretty <laughs> like. Uh, okay. Like squints, like yelling through the the bars in the treehouse. Yeah, just used the, the like down the lens shot, and then they used forty five degree. Shot. Yeah, it, it's it's a little bit underwhelming. I'll yeah, say. Um, the final ones are pretty cool. Like I, I you know, yeah, I, I really like the um when he got his um what's the American version of Meccano Mac- called <laughs> the Erector set. The Erector set, and he builds like this whole like ramp and a car with a catapult and everything yeah. and um, and the, the vacuum cleaner suction bun and stuff like that and yeah those, those are a bit but, but they're clearly all just I mean he's already set them up for failure yes like very clearly yeah which makes the like the chase is a fun set piece but mm. it does just seem like the motivations to get there is just a little bit yeah like it, it's just lacking that time. I don't know. There was just yeah. There was the, a little bit of finesse that could have actually. I think it's probably it was quite good and the finesse, a little bit of finesse and something could have just given it that little extra nudge up to a quite a high, high level where you isn't. You could just look at it and go, "Well done." Yeah. So you're like, "Yeah, that was pretty good." And as a kid, nailed it. Yes. But you actually could have gone higher. Yeah. Um, with your execution there. Mm. Like and, in terms of the lead up to the actual chase, because yeah, the yeah. chase itself, I would not change a goddamn thing. More Starlights. More Starlights <laughs> with explosion noises. <laughs> were you keeping count? Yeah, there were four of them. Oh, the end. Not enough. Because we noticed a couple of wipes in I, the film. Like Every George, time it happened, I just yelled out Star Wars wipe. Yeah, just like George Lucas wipes. There was like a circle at least once or twice. And a couple of like left to right. Yeah, left to right. And then all of a sudden they say their best till last. <laughs> and it's Star Wipe, Star Wipe, Star Wipe. <laughs> with an explosion sound. Like... <laughs> Like, you don't miss it. You have to not be watching to miss it. It, it, it kind of works. Like, it is the it, dumbest choice. It is so stupid. But <laughs> it, it just really makes it kind of just fun. And you're like, it really brings it back to like, this is... It, this is a kid's this movie. Is a kid's film. And this is fun. Yeah. The kids are going to be like, this is exciting because there's explosions yeah. and stuff. And that camera operator having to run through bins. <laughs> I felt so bad for him. Like, first of all, it's a hot summer day. He's having to run down a garbage-filled alleyway and yeah. smack his face into bins. <laughs> Like I earned his pay that day. You certainly do. That's hazard pay for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun. Like, yeah, it it's, is. It doesn't like rewatching it now. I don't think it deserves the cult status. It seems to have gotten. I think. I mean, you, you've seen it before. Obviously, yeah. In a, probably a few times as a kid. Rewatching it, did you go? Oh, that particular child, and that kid, and that kid, like nope. I do for Mighty Ducks. Mm-mm. No, so. Do you reckon if it had some slightly more memorable you, you kids mean, in a like, way, it might it, give you a bit kids more Kids that grow, like, went on to have careers in that sense. Like, um, you know, you see them and you're like, hey, it's little oh, yeah. Elijah Wood or whoever. Something like that, like, yeah. Are you meaning in that sense or are you meaning I'm the meaning actual like, characters No, themselves? characters like, oh Goldberg, oh Banks, you know. Not really, no. to be honest. I, I mean, think, like, you have... Squints is memorable because he has his set piece moment. He has his yeah. He he gets and he gets quite a few lines and he is always polishing his glasses even when he's in the pool. Yeah, but if you had asked me before we like started yeah. watching the film, I could, probably couldn't tell you his name was Squints. Would you have remembered the catcher's character? Like I, I remember yeah. him like his face, but I didn't remember his name was Ham, <laughs> which is 
which is a little would you have bacon on? <laughs> yeah. I, but I remembered him and I remembered of course that you're killing me here Smalls you're killing me Smalls you're killing me Smalls yes and the funny thing is I know that line has okay. that just been used in things or I've, I've got it here or, or, so or just like Sim say it or something <laughs> yeah oh yeah <laughs> Sim does say it quite I'm pretty often. sure he does doesn't he yeah um, <laughs> that's such a very Sim or Mike or something anyway yeah. it is a, but it's um, it, it's it's uh, it's a paraphrase of a famous quote. Uh, They're killing me out here, Whitey. Spoken by Denver Broncos coach Lee, uh, Lou Saban. Okay. Uh, yeah. So us Australians is, are going to miss that one a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but it is like a, a famous line that's kind of yeah. gotten into the vernacular, I guess. Yeah. It was apparently also used in A League of Their Own, which was like oh, a yeah. 1992 film. So yeah. like it, it is just a... Yeah. A phrase, a turn of phrase, I yeah. guess. But, um, yeah, but the, you're killing me, Smalls is one I do actually know, and I, I blame our friends. Yes. <laughs> so that's, that's okay. one that's kind. Of, there was one other line that uh, cracked me up actually, and it's so subtle, and it's the weirdest reference. When uh, they're at the swimming pool, and it's like right before Squints has his like super aggressive <laughs> his moment. His moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're like watching her oil herself, oh, yes. <laughs> like, and the lead up to like this is again. Right before Squince's Squince's moment, <laughs> uh, there's the like nice subtle line of uh, she doesn't know what she's doing, and then one of them's like, yeah, she does. She don't know what she's doing. Yeah, she does. She knows exactly what she's doing. That's word for word from Cool Hand Luke. What? When really? they're working out on like tarring the road, and yeah. there's like a farmhouse lady who's like washing the car. She doesn't know what she's doing. Oh boy, she knows exactly what she's doing. So there's. Obviously, a lot of reference to American culture and pop culture that you, I'm going to miss for certain. Yeah, but that like I, I think I only picked that up because I watched Cool Hand, rewatched Cool Hand Luke kind of recently. Yeah, and I was just I just quickly looked up to see did Cool Hand Luke come out in like 1962? Say, when did it come out? Yeah. 67. So oh, it's just well, seems, I got that one wrong. Yeah, that just seems to be like so. Cool Hand Luke ripped these kids off. You're winning, yeah. <laughs> It'd be so good if he's in the background. <laughs> Oh, he's just human. swimming in the pool there. He, like, he rewatched and he's just he's swimming past in the background. He's like, ah. Oh. Turn the kids on or something. <laughs> this will come out in handy one day. <laughs> yeah. But it's... I, I, feel like, I think because... Like, going back to your original point, the, the kids aren't as memorable. Like, I... Individually as characters. Yeah, like you were saying, like, with Mighty Ducks, I can say... I, like, know Banks and Goldberg and, like, all of those... And, like, Engelbert and, like, all of yeah. those characters. I, I know all the kids from Bad News Bears as well. But, yep. like, this one, yeah, I couldn't tell you... No. Like, I could maybe say remember Smalls because of the line. Yep. But then, like, yeah, I would have none of them left. Yeah. And that just might be me, but... Oh, I'm pretty sure, like, I mean, it w- I mean, like, I haven't seen Mighty Ducks that many times and it's stuck with me. Mm. Like, that says a fair bit. Yeah. Um, so. The, yeah, the cult status, like, it's, I think it's, it has it because of. Well, it's a nostalgia film. Yeah. Uh, the nostalgia films, if they're executed quite well, are going to nail cult status quite well. Yeah. Um, it, it, and like I was originally saying, I think it's. It's proto Stand By Me, yep. and so that kind of being the first exposure to that type of film where you're essentially getting a narrator telling a story about his, ch- yeah. a remembering story, like, you know, story of his childhood and fun yep. times. Like. And it's an easy one for everyone, and it's fun. Yeah. Like, in, and yeah, with that baseball summer sort of stuff, it's very easy to connect to. Mm. And we've got to talk about the where are they now. Yeah, that's a perfect way to end the discussion. Yeah. 
Do you write any of them down? Or? No, I, I think we can remember a few of them though. Um, okay. So there's like a at the very end. He we, we've got to save. Uh, I think it's weeks or something. Like the, yeah. <laughs> we'll save him for last. Yeah, we'll save him for last. <laughs> so it gets to the more or less the, the narrator wrap up, and and he, he says about how we we had we we tend to. I think the kids all stuck around for the next few years at least and generally through junior high and then they all one by one sort of disappeared and he said, but none, none would have beat that summer. Mm. And then he starts eventually listing where all the kids went. Yes. And like the twins are pretty boring from memory. They they become an architect and an engineer or something like that and start some firm. Oh, they, they became oh, famous for creating mini-malls. <laughs> Sorry, that's right. Yeah. It's just like... Playground equipment and mini-malls. Timmy and Tommy became an architect and a contractor. They started out small, designing playground equipment and prefabricated tree houses. But they became multi-millionaires when they invented mini-malls. That's oddly specific. <laughs> Can you do that? Yeah. Did, did one person invent the mini-mall? <laughs> yeah, I guess. But yeah, that one's weird. And then... Um, and then Ham... Um, Oh, what was that? Oh, I don't remember Ham's one. He he ends up owning a business of some variety, I think. Something like that. And then the African-American guy, um, whose character I don't remember... I don't remember his name now. Yeah, that's the... Like, that's the thing that... A lot of the names were never used besides that initial introduction. Who is... I'm, I, I just want to call him Jesse from Mighty Ducks. <laughs> yeah, Jesse's... It? Yeah. Kenny... Kenny. All right, so he's Kenny, apparently. They all had nicknames, but they didn't use them half the time. All right, yeah, so, so I, I've got... Yeah. So Kenny, um, <laughs> Kenny's pretty brutal one there actually. Kenny played triple A's, but I, he wasn't good enough to make major league. So I like Kenny's one actually. I think that's real. It's real. Yeah, and he played triple A ball, which is really good, high level. Yeah, yeah, that's like the VFL. Like it's yeah, really, it's a high level. Like it's just below the majors, but he's he never quite made it there. But he's. I forget, like, he's working some job that's okay, and he coaches Little League, which his kids play on. Called the Heaters. Yeah, like, that's nice. Yeah, it was like, quite real, that's true. It, it um, was a nice, it was... Where, it just felt the, funny, because they were building up to, to Rodriguez, Benny, of yeah. course, like, so, Kenny didn't quite make it. <laughs> yeah, but Benny did. <laughs> Kenny and Benny. Benny. <laughs> um, and then, um... Yeah, 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 who was drafted into the military, yes. and then created bungee jumping, like we already said. <laughs> yeah, because we were, we were, like... Really worried that all these kids are going to end up in Nam. Yeah, but which and only one of them did. <laughs> only one. <laughs> but the greatest one is uh, Weeks, who is essentially the, the cut rate Engelbert. Yeah, he's, he's the glasses kid who's not as blind as Squints. And he—he's essentially like you're the goofy comic relief character who gets given no good no, comic. No comic. <laughs> you're just there. He's there. He has a few lines. And his great is. Yeah. He got real into the 60s and no one saw him again. (laughs) And we're not joking. That's that's literally it. Bertram, well, Bertram got really into the 60s and no one ever saw him again. It's like, can you say that? (laughs) That's just weird. Like, oh. (laughs) It just wasn't what we were expecting at all. That was fantastic. they're like, what, how old, we were debating, like, they're 11, 12 years old in this film? Yeah, and it's already 62. Yeah, so, so did he, he make it to high school? I like, don't, it doesn't sound like it. Wow. Like, he got real into the 60s, and it was already <laughs> partway in. I'm, like, I'm hoping, like, best case scenario, he moved to San Francisco, became one of the Merry Pranksters, like, became friends with Ken Kesey, maybe. But, <laughs> like, like, if we're saying it's, um, it's 1962. Yes. So, 1969 is, what, seven years away? Yep. 
he's 11, we think. Yeah. So he's 18 in 1969. So he destroyed his life fast. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not saying like destroy his life. I'm saying like that's what he I'm trying really to give the benefit the, of the doubt. He like, embraced the alternative lifestyle very he, young. He's like became friends with Ginsburg. And yeah, like, yeah, you know, right, right, under a different pseudonym. Yeah, but he's Hunter S. Thompson. But no, he's not. No, he's not. He. No <laughs> one saw him again. <laughs> It's a weird little dark punctuation. It's that's, a funny one. It's, it's, I suppose it's supposed, it's supposed to be played for a laugh, but then like the morbid reality of that. Yeah. So, and then um, and then finally um, we get the, the wrap up that um, Benny becomes Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Yep. Uh, he's wearing number three for the Dodgers, which is uh, three was the number Babe Ruth wore. So it's like this yep. nice little little touch. Yep. And um, and it, it closes off with him stealing home, which is. Um, no mean feat from what I understand. Is, and it's also how we're introduced to him. Yes, stealing home in a game. Yep. Yeah, that's like the first time... It's kind that, of his um, little trick. Yeah, yeah, small season is him trying to steal home. And so it's this nice little wrap-up, I yeah. guess. But and then uh, we don't we never get an official wrap-up on Smalls, except that he's just hero-worshipping him from up in the commentator's book. Yeah, so you assume he's paid for that? <laughs> <laughs> but then he's got all his trophies and like pictures of him with Benny, and yeah. you kind of just hope that he made some good life decisions because he was a smart guy. Yeah, and he's still wearing that hat with the, like, 18-inch brim. Yeah, yes. <laughs> the salmon or trout or whatever it was <laughs> yeah. on the front. See, I was, like, when that happened, like, that ridiculous hat, I was waiting for a payoff of, like, oh, that was his dad's hat or yeah, something. Yeah, no, like, it's just no. a silly hat. It just made a him a dork. <laughs> it wasn't a baseball cap. And then he wore a different hat and, yeah... Which is like, well, why is he wearing this other one at the end? Why isn't he wearing the hat that Benny gave him? Yeah, good point. Maybe it's so you know it's him. Yeah, that's totally... No, but we know it's him because the door opens with him. And it's like, it's his weird photo on the wall and it fades back. It's like, All we right, know who he is. Uh, who knows? Anyway, it's a kid's movie. It is, it is. <laughs> We're having a good time picking it. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, as like I said at the start, like... Kids filming as a kid. If I'd grown up watching it, yeah. If I you watched it when you were like eight or nine years old, I'd have like, really fond memories. Yeah. Um, I think of that. That, that would have been a lot of fun. Um, I think I would have connected with it. I, I don't think I would have liked it as much as Mighty Ducks because, as much as anything, I really and as particularly as a kid, loved those really sporting kind of ones. Yeah. Um, it's a reason why I like films like Major League and stuff as well. There's actually yeah. like a competition in it, but. Um, the friendships in this film are actually the, just the general idea of friendship and stuff like that is really strong, um, which is essentially what the film's about. Yeah, so it, and it, it succeeds. It gets that way. exactly. Yeah, um, and then watching it as an adult is, is just just fun, and it's, it makes you go, "That would have been nice to watch as a kid." Yeah, it, it's fine. <laughs> exactly, it's not aimed at me. Yeah. Um, it's twenty years too late, twenty five, um, and um, and it would have been nice to watch that as a child. Yeah, but I didn't. Did you uh, like the, <laughs> this? Yeah, this this one kind of falls into suit of like a lot of films he did last season. Where two months ago it got announced, there's a new one being made. What? Another one? Yeah, uh, <laughs> narrator man himself, uh, David Evans is coming back to uh, write, direct, produce a prequel. Apparently, a prequel. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Well, because we, I guess we know the conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to end with Smalls arriving in town, I guess. But he's no good at baseball. I... Maybe he has amnesia. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to find out what happened to his dad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. It's a very different film. Yeah. But, it, it, again, like, falls yeah. into a thing of, like, again, if anyone wants sequels or remakes or anything for films, let us know. We'll, add, we'll start doing them as episodes. And yeah. they'll be announced. Yeah, so. right. Um... 
but yeah, on that note, do you want to hear a little bit about the uh, the kind of impact on this one? Yep. Uh, so it had a budget of seven million, which is, I guess, that dog puppet was kind of cool. Yeah, it was. <laughs> the, the bits of it you saw. Yeah, uh, it went on to gross thirty three point eight million at the worldwide uh, at the global box office, making it the thirty second highest grossing film of nineteen ninety three. Really? Is that all? Yeah. Like, oh no, sorry. That much money still got it to thirty second. Yeah. Oh, quite yeah. Uh, yeah, well, considering uh, Jurassic Park was number one with almost a billion. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it took okay. the lion's share of everyone. Yeah, they just kept everyone out of every other film. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I thought it'd be interesting, like, with this one, uh, I looked at, like, the actual critical response at the yeah. time. Um, so it got mixed reviews when it first came out, and it's still only, despite the, you know, big cult and nostalgia mm. wave behind it, only has a 56% on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, okay. Um, But a lot of critics cited uh, the consensus was that it was shamelessly derivative and overly nostalgic. It was pretty nostalgic. (laughs) But nevertheless, genuinely sweet and a fun coming-of-age story. Yeah, okay. Uh, Roger Ebert, though, was an interesting one, though. He gave it three out of four and comparing it to as a summertime version of a Christmas story. Oh. Which is kind of nice. And I've got a quote from him that was... uh, there was a moment in the film when Rodriguez hits a line drive directly at the pitcher's mouth, which is that really weird CGI yes. shot. Weird shot, yeah. yeah. He apparently, and this is Ebert saying, I ducked and held up my mitt, and then I realised I don't have a mitt, and then I also realised how completely this movie had seduced me with its memories of what it really means when you were 12. Well, there you go. So yeah. definitely with the people in its line of sight. Yeah. It would definitely... It, it's like if... If you were one of those kids, and it, it, from that time yeah. period, like that's the way as an adult, I think you could have played yeah, okay. this film, I guess. Yeah, and that's it because we didn't play baseball. No, no, not particularly not like that. No, um, <laughs> so we're never going to quite get that degree of um, engagement. So that's that's quite interesting, actually. Mm. But yeah, um, I guess unless we got anything else, I'll probably wrap us up for looking at the Sandlot. Yeah, it will. No, that sounds good. Okay, so it's time to time to pick the next one. Yep. So. Next week, we're going to have... Ooh, Risky Business. Oh, okay. A different kind of coming-of-age film. Yes. <laughs> so that'll um, that'll really bring my Tom Cruise up to speed. Yeah. That's going to be good. Yeah, that thing. Because I, I don't, once again. There's only a couple little bits about that one, I know. So that'll be a really good one. Just, just got used enough times in pop culture. Yeah, so. and I think it's a really... It was a, kind of a big one for me as a kid, and I think a really underrated... Movies, yeah, so. and that's that'll be intriguing. So, mm. all right, well, um, thanks for listening, everybody. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, if you have any suggestions for films we should end up putting in the hat, or uh, any comments about our uh, takes hot takes on Sandlot, <laughs> you can send us an email at haven'tseenpod at gmail.com. Otherwise, we'll uh, see you in a fortnight's time. Um, yeah, so thank you again. Um, I'm Eric, I'm Chris. Catch you next time, guys. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.